What's going on guys, Charles Morano, AKA the handsome home buyer standing in the middle of construction zone of our new office. We went from 1,100 square feet to almost 7,000 square feet. We're in the middle of building it out and it is going to literally change the game on Long Island. Speaking of construction and changing the game, this week's podcast has literally one of the best, if not the best. Scott Berman, principal of Angle Berman. You know Angle Berman very well. They own the Bristol. They're one of the biggest developers on Long Island, if not New York State, if not the country. And Scott is the head of construction. And this is an unbelievable 45 minutes that you are not going to want to miss. So check it out. Scott Berman, he's a gentleman. Mike Quat possibly could be the most, but definitely one of the most handsome men in real estate and a brilliant real estate mind. Check it out. Yeah, kid. Welcome, welcome, everybody, back to another episode of the Handsome Home Buyer Podcast. My name is Charles, aka the Handsome Home Buyer, aka Captain Permit, aka. I know you're on vacation for a week, but you gotta like just do the shimmy. All right. <laughs> I'm glad there's no camera here. We do it all at once. So we have fun here. I take it, dude. It's it's got to be fun all the time. And the new one, Kathleen Trent, El Chulo de las Casas. How's your Spanish? Very, very limited. Yeah? Yeah. Never dated Spanish women, huh? No, no. Smarter man than I am. Oh, yeah? Yes. So you yes, picked yes. up a little bit along the way. Um, I like to think I was Spanish in a previous life. So my Spanish is pretty decent. I would love to just drop myself in a Spanish-speaking country for like a year and really get there. I can salsa dance, though, okay. like a freaking gazelle. Bro. Wow. Like you a, really are a man of many like, talents. Like a, like a gazelle. Good for you. Good like for you. I see the, see the demo. You see the, 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 so the two things I always wanted to learn, okay, was speak another language okay. and play a musical instrument. Do you do either? I do neither. Yeah? yeah I was, those are the two things where I look backwards and, and say, what, what, but, were, what would have been two things I would have liked to have learned mm-hmm. that I think I probably would have been, would have added to my life in some way? Those right. are the two things. Well, the good news is you're extremely young. You have a lot of time. Although, are we young? I don't know. We're about the same age, right? You graduated in 97, high school, right? High school in 97. I graduated in 97. Okay. So I have a late birthday. So I, you're 42, right? I'm 42 December 3rd. Oh, I'm, I'm a little bit older than you. I'm 42 October 30th. There you go. Oh, uh, we're still young. I think so. Yeah. I'm starting to feel older. Are you? Yeah, I'm starting to feel like I'm entering that next stage of life. Why do you feel that way? Um, my kids are getting older. Okay. I got a kid who's going to be a sophomore in high school. Wow. So I got married at 26. I had my first child at 27. So I started young. And just starting to feel like I'm entering in that next stage of life, right? Like, okay. Like, you know, kids are older. Wow. Um, entering into sort of a different phase of career, I think. It's and just crazy because when I when I look at you, I'm like, you're like a kid. Yeah. Like, I feel like we're kids. I I mean, I'm not mad I don't have kids, so I have a yeah. different level of responsibility or lack thereof responsibility. Yeah. But when I look at you, I'm like, we're like, we're yeah. young. I'm not as good in my athletic pursuits as I used to be. <laughs> I just feel like I'm aging. Yeah. Went to the country club over July 4th. It's a little bath, uh, beach club but where we were living. Okay. We're not the young people anymore. Like there's this whole crop of younger families coming in and st- yeah. things like little things like that make me start to think that I'm just not as young as I used to be. Yeah, no, I uh, I get it. But I, I feel like a lot of it is, is maintenance. Obviously, you're very active about you talking off camera that you do triathlons. Yeah. Um, and I think, I think it's all about the maintenance. Plus, for us, like I'm very lucky. I've been in business. I was thinking yesterday. This actually made me feel a little bit dated. I was like, I've been in, in biz- one business or another for almost 20 years. Right. And you've had a tremendous amount of experience. Yeah. So I think, I mean, we're very fortunate because we're 41. Yep. 
we have a lot of energy. Yep. We're still young. I'm going to say we're still young. And we have all this experience. We have a lot of experience. Yeah. And I think that's right. Um, so, so that part of it's exciting, right? Yeah. Like, I feel like I still have a lot of runway ahead of me. Yeah. Um, and I do. I've got 20, 20 25 years of experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I'm excited about that next chapter and, you know, what, what can we achieve? There's a, lot, there's a lot there. You also happen to be, and I have to give credit to you here, one of the most handsome men in real estate. Oh, thank so you good for, for you, sir. It's, it's kind of like a toss up between you and Stephen Dubb of like, who's, <laughs> who's dreamier? <laughs> on, on any given day, it could, it could go. That it, means a lot coming from the right, handsome home buyer, right, right, I'll tell you. It could go right or left. <laughs> it could go right or left. <laughs> thank you so, for that. So uh, for people who do not know, uh, and I'm honored to have you here and I really appreciate it. And the listener base is going to love it because like we were talking about before, people don't get to really hear about from somebody like yourself on your level and what you've done. So you're a principal at Angle Berman. Principal at Angle Berman, president of Angle Berman Construction. Um, we're sort of a vertically integrated real estate company. Mm-hmm. So we've got a development division, construction division, um, two property management companies. So we oversee a lot of what we do is in the senior living space. I can yeah. tell you about some of that. Um, we're also bringing about a thousand rental units online. Nice. So we're. Is that the Uniondale project we're talking about? That's one of okay. um, of six. Okay. Jesus. Um, yeah, and uh, we're building a new management company to run those. Mm-hmm. We do all of our own sales and marketing, so we kind of cover the whole spectrum. So I'm just. I mean, there's a million things that run through my mind. A, um, I'd love to hear a little bit about the history of Angle Berman and yours as well. Two, you are extremely calm appearing on the outside for someone that has all that going on because every day like i am like a much 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 more scaled down version of you guys like i end up opening businesses to support what i do because i can't get anybody to do what i need them to do and it drives me nuts yeah so i'm curious to know if that's how it happened for you guys how you you know started building through um and just managing that animal it 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 evolved over time right um so um, my family's been in real estate for, for generations. Um, my grandfather um, and father built a big industrial portfolio, which they sold in the late 90s. And my dad really had an idea um, to do a high-end private pay assisted living um, facility, which didn't really exist on Long Island. Mm-hmm. Um, what was here at the time was a lot of what I considered to be sort of B and C properties. Okay. Um, and uh, um, ended up building one, was successful. and said let's do this again built started to um look for sites found a site just a couple miles down the road um and started number two i joined him around that time when we were okay. building number two um and in the beginning we really just kind of grew organically we build you know one or so every year or so okay um until we got up to a mass of about um seven um seven or eight um and my my, my um brand is the bristol assistant yes. living, right so um and at that point um we were approached unsolicited by a competitor um, who said, hey, we, we'd love to buy your, your portfolio, but it's not for sale. Um, and uh, well, if I sign a coffee and look at your numbers, and maybe I can make an offer that might be appealing. So we said, okay, well, we'll, we'll let you sign a coffee and made an offer that jumped off the page. Um, so we had no idea what they were worth. Mm-hmm. Um, and we ended up going through a marketing process and selling them for a number that we never thought we could achieve to a, a read out of Canada. Mm-hmm. Managed it for them for a number of years, and then this is pre-crash. Um, this was just pre-crash. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then um, ended up having an opportunity four or five years later to buy it back. Um, and what that meant was we were assuming their debt, and we had to write a, a massive equity check. Um, so we ended up teaming up with an institutional capital partner, mm-hmm. um, bought them back, and came up with the whole program to develop going forward. And that's really what changed our whole world. Um, okay. 
having a partner with literally billions and billions of dollars to invest yeah. enabled us to grow our organization, grow our team, start to do a whole lot more volume within, I'd say, two years. We were doing four or five times what we were doing prior. Um, and now we've got 30 senior living properties across New York and New Jersey, mm -hmm. Long Island, Westchester, North Jersey, Manhattan are our markets. We're expanding okay. into Southeast Florida currently. Yeah. Uh, first sites in Boca. Um, we've developed north of 5,000 homes, mm -hmm. combination of different product types, um, a lot of sort of mid-rise buildings on the uh, waterways. We've done a lot of sort of suburban sprawl, um, gated communities, combination of for rent and for sale products. Um, and uh, we've done some retail development over the years. So oftentimes when we're looking for senior living, it's a similar profile to retail, mm -hmm. high demographics, high traffic, those yeah. sorts of things. So we've flipped the script on occasions and done some retail, lowest home improvement, lifetime fitness, stop and shop, those types of tenants. Very cool. Um, and uh, some commercial, other commercial too, but, but that's really the, the, the focus. So my first question is on, on the um, capital partner side, right? So I pretty much do everything myself. And I never, I never really partner because I kind of have this mentality of like, I like doing things the way I want to do them. And then you look at these bigger projects and you say, well, you know what? Like, it's really easy to run out of money. You're going to need somebody to put equity in. How do you structure those deals? What are kind of, from your perspective, what do you think are kind of the pros and cons of bringing in uh, capital partners? Like, do you find it to be more beneficial than? So, yes, I, I love the model. Um, and what it really did for us was, to a certain extent, took the money piece out of the equation, right? Okay. Because now money's less of an object, right? Okay. Now it's, okay, how do we grow our business? How do we find what sectors you want to grow into? How okay. do we find geographies you want to grow into? You start to think more along the lines of what's just smart for the business, not what's my capacity, where, where, where is the money right now? How, how far can I stretch? Okay. And I think to a certain extent, it makes you make smarter decisions because you're really just thinking about what's, what's best for the future. Um, but, but the flip side, what you said is you, you can't manage the whole thing, right? Yeah. So it becomes also a lot about growing the right team. Who can I rely on? Creating yeah. a hierarchy, creating a reporting structure, protocols, procedures, softwares, those sorts of things. So it becomes more about managing an operating business yeah. and less about sort of the day to day of, 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 of task oriented, you know, doing things, getting things done. So from the beginning, you guys were just focusing on assisted living, correct? Uh, or wait, was there a mix of projects from the beginning or it was? There was a mix of projects from the beginning. Oh, okay. So yeah. you've, you've always been diverse. We've in, in been um, always been focused in, um, in senior living and multifamily housing. Okay. However, it's grown in a lot of different directions over the years. Um, so, for example, in the beginning, the Bristols were all pretty much a prototype. They were about 140,000 feet, around there, 150,000 feet. Okay. Um, they are probably three quarters assisted living and one quarter memory care. Yeah. Um, over time, that's changed. The memory care demand has increased. Yeah. So we did larger memory care units. Now we're doing standalone memory care units. For example, we're about to open one at 86th in York. Yeah. Um, which is pretty much all memory care focused with some assisted living. Wow. How many units? It's going to be a 140 units. Strictly memory care. Yeah. 40, uh, 14 story building mm -hmm. um, opening in the next couple. Ground up, ground up. What was the um, what was the build and permit process and everything like in New York City compared to what you deal with out here? Just I mean, construction, you logistics, flip it on its head, right? It, it, out here, the heavy lift is the approvals. Okay, getting the yeah. the zoning, the municipal approvals, all the land use stuff, um, 
and that's gotten t tougher and tougher. When I started in this, you know, 20 something years ago, it would take us a couple of years. We've had projects recently yeah. that have taken five, six, seven, even eight years to get through the approval. So that's, that's the struggle out here on Long Island. Once we get in the ground, you know, building is less of a struggle. Yeah. Um, in the city, you know what you're going to get. It's pretty black and white. Yeah. Um, but constructing in the city is, is difficult. I can't even imagine. It, it's a lot more complicated because um, you're building taller buildings with more complicated systems. Um, DOB is extremely stringent. Yeah. Um, and they come and they check on you very, very frequently. Um, we've had, you know, we're a great contractor, but we've had, frankly, shutdowns. I mean, just it's part of the, it's the nature it's, of doing it's a the neighbor, building yeah. in the city. Yeah, you're doing stuff wrong that you didn't realize you were doing wrong. Plus, I'm sure there's just so many people to manage, like, yeah. stuff just happens. Yeah, yeah. So um, we, we started in the city with the retro project on the Upper West Side. That was extremely difficult. The ground mm -hmm. up was a little bit easier. This was Upper West Side. So was it historical? You had to deal with any of that stuff? Um, yes, just on the facade. Yeah. You had to deal with a little bit of landmark stuff. Um, but it was an operating senior living property that we bought and we spent about $40 million renovating. Mm -hmm. So renovating an old building, 100 plus years, you don't know what you're going to find behind the yeah. walls. Plus renovating with people living in the building and some rent control issues and all those sorts of things adds a whole other level of complications. So I that can't was even, yeah, I know. I can't even imagine. I mean, obviously on a much smaller scale, but I always tell people it's easier to build a new house than it is to gut renovate an existing house. Yeah. Because when you're building a house, it's like, I don't even have to go see a house when I'm building a new house. You could basically just like build it off your phone. Everybody's yeah. following the plan. It's like pretty straightforward. But when you're gut yeah. renovating a house, anything can and will happen. Absolutely. And, and it's a surprise every day. Um, but so to go back to the what we were talking about before, um, also kind of evolved into a bunch of different directions with the business. Um, on the residential side, um, we started doing a lot more rentals in recent years, so that was a progression. And we also entered into a brand new business that opened about a year ago, which is in the drug addiction research and rehabilitation space. Um, I didn't know you guys were into that. Yeah, with a, and we partnered with Northwell, um, and uh, the project called Wellbridge is out in on the East End in, mm -hmm. in Calverton. Um, and it's up and running uh, for about a year now. Um, and, and the way I like to describe what we do now is we get involved in these sort of niche care-based businesses. So everything has sort of a, a caring element to it, which is kind of how it all comes together. Mm -hmm. um, and that's kind of fun too, because you get to help people, yeah. you know, alongside being successful. So I think, you know, my biggest, I always say it's, it's easy to start a business. It's easy to start a business and, and be successful it's very hard to like to scale a business. Yeah. Right. So I'd love to hear just more about the, you know, your process of scaling, managing that ongoing process, the different divisions of everything, and then why you guys ultimately, you know, choose to do a lot of things under one roof versus yeah, hiring companies to do it. Um, so I'll go backwards. I think we choose to do it under one roof because it gives us a whole lot more control over the entire process. Yeah. Um, it gives us the ability to sort of collaborate with different parts of our organization as we move through the process, for example. Yeah. Um, when we get into sort of concept development, that's one aspect of, of planning, right? Then we get into real design development. Well, the construction folks come in and start to work with us at that point in time, yeah. right? Then we get into real construction documents. There's still overlap between what the development team's doing and the construction team's doing. Mm -hmm. And that continues through the whole project. Even when we hand off the completion to operations management, there's still some overlap. So I think it gives us a whole lot of control through the whole process, Yeah, um, which I think is a, is a real value add. Yeah. Um, we also have the ability to hire some really, really talented folks um, and build the team. 
Um, and that to me is how you scale. It's all about having the right people in the tent with you. Yeah. Um, it's finding smart, talented people. Um, and uh, and that's that's the key to, 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 to growing. Do you ever have it? Did you ever have an issue at any point in time with control? Not to say like anyone's a control freak, but just to when you're growing that fast and you just you have to give you have to give control to people and then try to manage manage them manage the process. Was yeah. that difficult in any way? Any advice with that? Yeah, um, I I think it's th there's always a getting to know your phase with 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 people. Mm -hmm. um, and for me, it was always um, I'm. I'm a, I have a pretty hands-off management style, mm -hmm. um, but it's also, I, I need to, to trust, right? Yeah. So first, one of the things I've learned with hiring is you never know who you're, you're, you're getting. You, you can do a series of interviews, but until you actually work with someone, yeah. it's very difficult to know if it's really going to work. That's true. Um, then I would say there's probably this sort of courtship phase. For me, and some, with some employees, it takes years of a very, very um, rigorous, we're talking every day, sometimes every hour, getting to know you. I wouldn't call it micromanaging, but you know, trust but verify. I guess mm -hmm. is sort of the, and, and then you build up a rapport and a, tr and a trust, and mm -hmm. um, and you empower people to build teams below themselves, and, and you build up sort of a hierarchy. That's that's kind of the way I always looked at it. Why? Uh, I'm curious to know why you went the construction route. I mean, obviously you you have a massive job. You run all construction. You could have went the acquisitions way. You could have gone the property management way. I'm quite, I'm sure there was a bunch of different. Me ways. personally, yes. So I spent the first dozen years of my career doing all development. Okay. Um, and sorry. Let's go. Um, and then about a dozen years ago, so about um, you know kind of midway through my career, uh, a couple of things happened. Um, first is Sidney Angle, who's the Angle and Angle Berman, mm -hmm. um, was turning ninety. Wow. He was the construction guy, so he was aging out of that part of the business. Wow, he was still doing that at 90? He's 97 and he's still doing his own projects. Wow. The guy's amazing. Really? 97 years old. Wow. Yeah. At 90, he was walking stairs and walking the jobs on Saturday and Sunday. Wow. Yeah. So, so he was starting to phase out. Um, and we also had teamed up with this institutional partner. Mm -hmm. um, and that was a strategic move to grow. So we knew we were going to do a lot more volume. Mm -hmm. We knew we were reporting to funds, pension funds, hedge funds, those types of institutions. Yeah. So it required us to step up our game in a lot of regards. It required us to grow the team so we yeah. could handle the volume. It required us to kind of take it to the next level of sophistication so we could do the appropriate reporting. Yeah. Um, so what did that mean? Um, it, it was a fun project, actually. It meant I was coming in to rebuild a business from the ground up um, and hiring a whole lot of new folks building out a cost accounting department. Before that, we had a, a bookkeeper. Um, building out a pre-con department. Yeah. We never had that before. So someone who can do real estimating, handle all the contract administration, handle all the bidding, those sorts of things. Yep. Um, a lot of plan review within that department. So that was a whole new element. Um, hiring more skilled project managers. You know, In the old days, we had some supers. Yeah. And Sydney ran them, and that was fine. But, but now we needed project managers who can run two, three, four projects at a time. Could be a couple hundred million dollars worth of work at any time. Um, so uh, we went from about 25 employees to almost 100. In what period of time? Three years. And what was the buildup between when the business first started to that point of like <clears throat> really, really taking off? So um, that was probably 
about 15 years, 13 to 15 years from the time Engel and, Berman was formed. Yeah. So and the only reason I, I, I want to like kind of bring this point to people that are that are listening to this out there is that when you look at a business like Angle Berman, it's I mean, you guys are are absolutely massive. But when you really get to like the root of it, it's people that originally had an idea that started out with something that grew just like anybody else. And during the process, they make mistakes and they learn and they lose money and they make money. And it just evolves with, you know, work ethic and, and drive work, work ethic drives and some foresight, I would say. Yeah. And it's funny, you, you say we're huge. I don't think of us as huge, but um, it's always wanting to grow also, right? Yes. So like I see where we've come to, and I think we were talking about this by the, earlier on the show or before the show, and I also see where we want to get to, nice. right? There, there's a next level that I want to get to. Mm -hmm. So it's um, it's always having that desire to want to take it further and further and further and keep growing and growing and growing. Um, which brings me to uh, a question that popped up, like what essentially, what essentially drives you? You know, you you're 42 years old. You're very successful. You have kids. You know, I um, I hang out some of my contemporaries between the ages, of, let's say, 35 and 45. At all levels, they're just like, you know, I'm happy. I want to coast. Like, I like doing the number of deals I do or whatever. I want to go to the beach. I want to hang out with my kids. What what keeps you? Well, like, I genuinely love what I do. Isn't it an awesome business? Man? It's a great business. The greatest business. And I would say that we're amongst the minority of people who can say I genuinely like getting up in the morning and going to work. Yeah. Okay. I love creating things, right? Like in our business, you get to see something tangible at the end. Yeah. And for me, like I said before, we're creating these sort of niche businesses that care for people, right? Yeah. Assisted living, we're caring for elderly people, right? What's cooler than that, right? Mm -hmm. The amazing stories that, that these people have and their lives and, you know, war veterans and all kinds of just, it's just a great generation of people. Drug addicts, we're helping people get well. I mean, how cool is that, right? Even just housing, you know, we're creating amazing environments to pe for people to live in, like this Long Beach project that we're doing. Yeah. It's going to be a destination. Unbelievable. I mean, it's going to change, from my opinion, it's going to change all of Long Beach. It's, it's 438 units. Um, it's cutting edge design. It's, it's, it's got an incredible amenity package. It's right on the boardwalk. Yep. And, you know, it could be a thousand people living there. Yeah. You know, you're changing people's lives. Yeah, no, I mean, and it's it's an amazing spot. I actually lived for 10 years two blocks away, and I've, I've been looking at that lot forever, thinking, like, what's going to happen, what's going to happen? And then I was privileged enough to see the renderings when I was in your office, and it's going to be magnificent. Yeah, so we're excited about it. And the, and the last thing is this. It, it becomes, you become responsible to the, to the team, right? I, yeah. have, I have over 3,000 employees. I feel, I feel a responsibility. Of course, right? and, absolutely. And um, I care about, you know, all of them. Yeah. So, so you, you you become becomes like a family. Yeah, and that's a very rewarding part of like what we do. Also, when you think about it, you have three thousand employees, and then subcontractors, and this and that. How many really tens of thousands of people do you really support when you think about it? Yeah. Through construction and your ongoing operations. Huge ripple effect. Yeah. Um, the cool thing about you also is like you've been. I've been in business for twenty years, but I haven't been in real estate. I've been in real estate for six years. So you've been in real estate for 20 years. Yeah. So you've 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 seen the ups, the downs, and I mean, you've seen it with multifamily, you've seen the crash of 2008, yeah. you've seen COVID, especially in the senior housing space, like yeah. you have a, you have a, I mean, you have how many Bristol's is there? How many is this livings? So we've got 27. So, and obviously, you know, COVID had an impact on that. Sure what, um, Talk about just like kind of like the roller coaster ride of the 2008 crash and then the COVID and the different sectors that you dealt with, and then any advice you can give people on how to kind of, you know, ride through 
recessions. Well, first thing I'll say is you learn a lot more in the downtimes than you do in the uptimes. Um, yeah. I learned probably some of the hardest life lessons in the recession. That was a very, very difficult time yeah. for anyone in real estate. Um, and that was the carpet really just got kind of ripped out from under us. You couldn't borrow money. I mean, it was a very, very tough time. Um, How many years was it where it was like really just locked up for you guys? My recollection was every bit of, you know, four or five. Wow. Three, three or four. I mean, that's just that's a long time when you're like, so what do you what do you do in in that period of time when there's, when there's nothing to do? You, you, you try to get you try to get creative. Um, you know, we had a little bit of a niche in the senior living space, um, so we were able to push some projects forward. OK, um, but it was just, just a tough time in general. Um, and uh, I guess you, you, the best thing you can do is try and try and get creative, you know, try and stay one step ahead of the competition. Um, it, but I remember it as, as a tough time. Um, the COVID thing um, was different, right? I mean, nobody saw that coming from a mile away. No, it affected us in ways that nobody ever could have imagined. Um, we were lucky to a certain extent. Um, none of our businesses really shut down. Mm -hmm. um, the hardest aspect of it was the operation side, right? Because we're taking care of 5,000 elderly people. Yeah. We had tons of lockdowns and shutdowns and regulations coming down from the state and they were changing every day. So my operations team, they're, they're like a bunch of saints. I mean, what they went through <laughs> was incredible. Um, and, uh, you know, it was, it was a tough time. We didn't, we didn't take a lot of new residents. We lost some residents, but we, we, we managed through it. Yeah. And now with the vaccine, we're, we're back to pre pandemic numbers, which wow. is great. We're filling up very quickly. We're getting back to where we, we were. Um, we're filling up at the same rate we were pre pandemic is, is, is how I should say. It. Um, the development slowed, um, but nothing, we didn't lose any deals yeah. and construction. We were mostly considered essential. So we had two projects of nine that got um, stopped for a couple of months. Otherwise, we were pretty much operating status quo. Um, how have you guys been managing through with, you know, materials going up and, and things like that? Um, are, you having, are you having issues coming in on budget? Is it shutting projects down altogether or temporarily until things recover or just? It's not shutting us down. It is causing us a lot of headache. Yeah. Um, this lumber markets, um, been very difficult. Um, we're about to start uh, a 90 unit stick frame condo project. Well, it's a couple million dollars ad in lumber. Yeah. So we're trying to stage the buys. We don't buy it all up front. Yeah. Because um, we think the market's going to start to creep back down. Yeah. At least the futures. It already, indicated yeah, well. it already has. It has a little bit. We haven't seen it translate into pricing, but the futures have come down. I got a, I got a $6.74 two by four at Lowe's the other day. Okay. I, I was very all excited right. about it. It was, <laughs> so, it was 13 bucks like two weeks before that. <laughs> But uh, yeah, so um, and so it's look, it's it's commodities and supply chain, yeah, and both are significant issues. Getting stuff is is difficult. Um, we've had to go back to banks and say this is the situation and figure it out, mm -hmm. you know. So it's I guess it's just a function of being nimble. It's it's not going to stop anything, but it's definitely been a kind of a thorn in our side. There, um, are you big into social media at all? Like, do you do you? look on TikTok or Instagram or any of this stuff, or it's not so much your thing? Maybe I'm an old school mentality, but I do none of it. I do some of it for my business, just to yeah. promote the business. But on a personal level, um, I'm a pretty private person, so I have yeah. no interest in it. No, I'm with you. I actually, I hate social media. And if it wasn't, I think it's an amazing thing for business. It's changed my life. But um, if it wasn't for business, I wouldn't be on it at all yeah. for the time drain and the privacy. 
But, um, you know, there's big pushes on that with like burst strategies with, you know, people really ratcheting up leverage and, you know, just looking to maximize the number of units. But on the flip side, in the, ter in, in the downturns, you're, you're exposed. You know, so any advice to the younger generation or newer investors out there on, you know, just setting up structure, leverage, things like that for, you know, their 10 year period of their, of their career? Yeah, I guess my, my best advice is don't be a cowboy. Um, I think you have to take a very conservative approach to when you're underwriting deals. Um, I think you have to know that you've got enough margin in your deals that if the market yeah. does take a turn, you're not going to get clobbered. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, just be careful because yeah. um, when things are going great, um, they're great, but markets change, things turn. Yeah. And I think I said before, you know, we're, I learned the most in the downturns. So that's when when the shit hits the fan. Yeah. And that's when you really, um, that's when you really separate the men from the boys because that's when people lose everything. Yeah. And um, and, and again, just 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 plan for the worst, hope for the best. I guess is the is the best way to put it. The cool thing with you guys is you're you're very diverse. Which I you know I, I started out just flipping houses in areas like Wantoa, Seaford, Merrick. Mm -hmm. And then I started flipping houses in areas with lower price point. And then I started doing dormers and new construction and just kind of build on top of that. Because my thing was like, all right, markets are going to change. I have investors funding these deals. Yep. If something shifts, I can't, you know, I can't do business. I can't invest my investors' money. Like it's not good for anybody. Right. So, you know, you guys have your hand in a little bit of everything. What, so right now I pretty much, I like, I like medical. I like anything affordable. I like anything senior. And I've I've always liked self storage, but I've never been able to like to to pin one of those down. Yeah. What uh, oh and and I like industrial, but it it doesn't industrial seems to be tough to pencil out on on new builds right now. Yeah. Industrial is tough to compete with the bigger players too. Yeah, yeah from what I've seen. But um, so what sectors do you what sectors do you like as like a go for yeah, in the next? Yeah, and three we overlap five, on some of the stuff. So so yeah. so we're diversified, but I think that we're also specialized in, in, in a certain in certain ways right like we're not all over the map um we've kind of found some sectors we like that we play in and and we, and we stick to um and i think it's great to be diversified but i don't think it's great to be over diversified right like mm -hmm. i think you want to know what you're doing understand your markets understand yeah. your sectors um so we've had a great run in the senior living space um and we're going to continue to work in the senior living space um but we've um, geographically saturated some of the markets we're in. So we're looking yeah. in Florida and some other places. Um, definitely still very active in the residential space, both condos, but shifting more towards the rental side of things. We're underserved tremendously yeah. locally with rentals. Mm -hmm. um, our rental housing stock should be double what it is in our estimation. So we're focusing more on rentals. Um, I think this addiction space has a lot of legs to it. Yeah, I think that we can grow on that both physically and with other businesses, telehealth, those sorts of things. Um, I love self-storage. We're going to try a self-storage. Nice. Um, Any affordable uh, stuff? And I like affordable. Yeah. I took a class at, at NYU on affordable, and I had a buddy that works for, um, I don't know if you're MTG. I think we had, I had mentioned him before. Up in, and as much as I try to like wrap my head around it, like I get the high level, but it's just, it's so like intricate and detailed, but the opportunity Very seems nuanced insane. Business. We're doing a third-party construction project for a, a um, affordable housing developer, and I'm mm -hmm. learning a lot through that. Um, one of the other things I would advise younger investors who want to get into this business is it's, if you're trying to break into a certain sector you don't know much about, maybe partner with someone who does, right? Mm -hmm. So um, 
to get into that world, I would probably find someone who knows more than I do. Yeah. Um, cause it's a very, it's a, it's an intricate business. Um, and it's, you know, regulated by HUD and other entities and state and you name it. So just have to know it and understand it. So whether it's a consultant or a good partner, um, find someone who knows more than I do. Yeah, so just to kind of whet the appetite of anybody who's listening about this, the cool thing about the affordable housing space is there's a lot of opportunity to essentially get into projects for little to no money out of your own pocket and also get a developer fee of 10 to 15% on top of that, own the property and be able to manage it. Essentially, it's it's set up through low-income housing tax credits and then you know different grants, first, second, third-tier mortgages. But... Um, it's, it's complicated stuff. Yeah, and, and it's very fee-driven. Um, and the interesting thing about it is the, the fee structure is such that you can get the money out pretty pretty quick. Yeah. yeah. No, super interesting model. A lot of guys really blew up on that in the 80s when New York was in bad shape and they were giving away buildings for like a dollar. Yeah. But uh, ultimately, it's a, it's and it is a huge need for it now. Tremendous need for it, and that's not going away, obviously. So I love it, man. Listen, I really appreciate the time. I really appreciate you coming down, sharing the knowledge, a uh, ton of great gems. I guess the last question I have is, you know, for you personally and for Angle Berman, I know we touched on, I'm sure we'll overlap a little bit. You know, what is, you know, you have another 40, 50 years doing this. Yeah. What, uh, you know, what's the future hold for you? What do you get si- excited about? Um, it's a tough thing to really answer. Um, I think that I'm excited about some of these larger deals we're working on, like a Long Beach type of a transaction. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that opens the door for us to do more of that type of a thing, um, you know, these larger, bigger destination type developments. Uh, I'm excited about new markets expanding geographically. Uh, I think that'll be a, a fun challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, and more than anything, just, you know, leaving our mark and, and doing doing good things in the world and creating uh, products and businesses again that help people. And, um, you know, that that's what that's that's what that's what drives me, really. So so having more of an impact, I guess, is the best way to put it. Do you um, do you find that once you get to a certain project size, it's just, you just add more zeros? It's it's just the process is the same and you might as well, like once once you're doing 100 or 200 units, is it the same thing to do four or 500 units or is there like a level where it, it really does I used change? to think so. I used to think it was the same brain damage. It's not? Um, <laughs> it, it actually gets more complicated when you start adding more zeros. Yeah? Yeah. Um, when you what I've found in recent years, because we're just sort of entering into this world, is um, when you start getting north of like two hundred and fifty million dollar deals, um, and you start dealing with different sources of debt and equity and more institutional and um, and uh, everyone's watching because it's big. Yeah, um, you just have different exposures to different sorts of challenges, um, whether they're regulatory or. You know, just getting all the interested parties and the capital stack on the same page. It's just, um, I would say anywhere from like 20 million to, you know, 200, 250. We've played in that space for a long time. Yeah. Very similar. Yeah. Um, but now I'm learning as you get into bigger and bigger, I think it may be more challenges. Which, but that's what makes it exciting. Yeah. Yeah. So again, we have had 20 ish 20 plus years of playing in that space Jesus. hopefully we can play in, a, in the real big boy space in the in the future i love it man uh again i thank you for the for the opportunity for sharing the knowledge and um if anybody out there is you know interested in selling a property or interested in working for you guys can you refer them to the website how they get in touch with you guys yeah, absolutely so um certainly can get in touch with us through the website um and uh 
we've got contacts there to for for HR and for deal referrals and that sort of thing. Um, cool. And usually they get filtered through through to, to me and my partners. Um, so so certainly happy to talk to people who have interesting things they're working on. Love it. Obviously, I'm the handsome home buyer. You know, if you have a house that smells like cat pee, dated from the 1960s, six inches of mold on the wall, human waste floating p- past the basement steps. You know, I'm quick, easy, always a good time. I want to buy it. And obviously, if there's any permit issues out there from tip to tip, and I mean Montauk to the Queens border, interior alterations, new construction, legalization, you got to call the captain, 516-777, souls for a handsome home buyer, and 516-513-8838, captain permit. That's a wrap. You got that wrap uh, all dialed in, don't you? <laughs> <laughs>